It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Monday, August the 16th. It's halfway through the month of August, which is really far into the year, <laughs> Jess. Good morning. I know every day when I say the date, it's a little shocking. But I try to do it so that folks who are keeping track in the pandemic, you know, know what day it is. It's important to know. Oh, yeah. Their, you know, status. Because yes. it feels kind of like an endless one long day. <laughs> kind of. Um, I, yes. And certainly one long year. And the oh, idea that 2022 yeah. is approaching really quickly is just... Like, it, it felt like 2020 was a last year, right? We all felt that way about 2020. 2021 is really the last year because <laughs> it's still just a coda to last year. Like, it didn't even put its pants on. Like, it didn't even show up in its own right. <laughs> it's just the little, the little addendum to 2020 that instead of being a little addendum is going to be the whole year. And that's, I think, what we're all coming to terms with. <laughs> I think... Yeah, well, one of the things I was thinking about the other day was, like, the last time I was at an airport, or, like, you mm -hmm. know, not coming here, that was the last time I was mm -hmm. at an airport, but before that, um, was vacation <laughs> at the end yep. of Same. 2019, what year was it, 2019? It was 2019. Okay. I took a vacation early 2020. Right, so yeah. 2019, and I went to you know, my favorite place and I got back and I was like, wonderful year starting. This is amazing. And then as soon as I got back, we were like, are we going to, are we at war with Iran? I'm not sure. Maybe. I mm -hmm. remember being back that first week and like being at yoga class and getting a call to go on Chris Hayes to talk about how we're going to war. That was like my first segment back. And I was like, that's a bad sign. Yeah. The first segment <laughs> of the year is about how we maybe are going to war. And then it never got better after that. It just was terrible all the no, way. Australia now. was on fire. And yeah. Until then we were talking about COVID. It was almost like an omen. It was like, that was a bad sign. <laughs> but, it, you know, whatever happened next was going to be bad. And then I also think about the fact that the last time I was on the second to last time, excuse me, second to last time I was on set, because the very last time was like, maybe a debate was happening. And then yeah, it was a debate was the last in, time I was on set. They had us come late at night. I was like, I came in for like a late night segment. They had me sitting like in a studio alone in a chair at a table yep. all by itself. Like they were, they were, they had started doing some sort of like protocols. We didn't know what we were doing because people were still standing. Oh no, we weren't masking. No, we were just distancing. What, yeah. Nobody knew what they were doing. Um, right. But the second to last time I was on set was the time I said literally, and I quote, you don't want to get too out ahead in terms of the messaging around a virus because viruses mutate. And so next year, we could be dealing with a different version of this virus. And we, so Donald Trump. Oh, no one wanted to hear facts. that then. Um, <laughs> no, I, li I literally got interrupted and told I was wrong. Yeah. Um, and then I pushed back. And then I remember in this segment, I was really mad because I don't always get mad when I get interrupted. But if I'm saying something important yeah. and you interrupt me in the middle of my important, correct point, I have an attitude. And so. In the seg, I remember in the break, 
I said to the host, I'm not going to name any of the people, but I said to the host, hey, host, name, I'm not going to say. Um, did I happen to mention my dad's a microbiologist and yesterday he explained all of this to me that this is going to be really bad and that viruses like mutate all the time and really Donald Trump is saying all kinds of stuff that he can't possibly know because he's trying to be like, well, we're going to it'll disappear. That's like not how it works with viruses. And so I just like have a little bit of extra knowledge about this because I, I just, my dad, he works on vaccines and stuff. He kind of has like, you know, he knows. Um, so while I think it's, you know, fine that I think people think they can interrupt me because how, how could I possibly know anything about a virus? I'm a black girl. I, I should be quiet. Um, I know that that's what people are assuming when I'm saying this, but um, I'm just, I actually was saying that from a place of knowledge and also comms because generally comms advice is don't get out ahead of stuff you don't know. <laughs> don't predict anything right. you don't know. Um, that's bad comms. <laughs> so my analysis was correct and I'm still mad about the fact that I got interrupted during that very important point. At some point in 20 years from now, somebody's going to pull that clip from it and put it in a documentary because it was it's literally scary <laughs> to think about the fact that I said that was interrupted and told I was wrong and stupid. I wasn't told I was stupid, but that was the that was the it was a subject. It was implication. Um, and I was deadly right. <laughs> I was so right <laughs> that there are all these dead people now. That was mm-hmm. and I, I was just repeating what my dad said. So he was right. I'm giving him the credit for that one. Um that, and also, that was the moment I realized that my analysis was not, not really needed. <laughs> I should just be quiet for like, the next six months. Well, that um, presaged everybody should just shut up and listen to the health experts. Yeah. And what you were doing was conveying information from a health expert directly from the source and being told to stop talking, which presaged not just the virus mutating, but our inability to, to to listen to just the public health experts and i had exactly the same i had exactly the same experience on cnn for those months i was there were two stories that we were following we were following the presidential primary and we were following the coronavirus and so we we the people who were there to talk about the presidential primary you know me and david axelrod and van jones and those people are all in the green room and all of the public health experts from seattle who were treating <laughs> the original patients are oh on that's set. funny and, and then on break, we would all sit together and they would tell us everything oh, that yeah. they knew. And, then, yeah, and yeah. then we would go back on to talk about presidential primary and we'd just sit there like, oh, my God. And like it was very obvious by the end of a couple of days like this that like you didn't need our analysis <laughs> at that moment. It was way more important that we just just like, can we just yield our time to these doctors? Because the shit that they are saying to us in the green room like that it was that experience that led me to call my mom right. and like scream at her that she needed to stop running errands right now right. even though it was right. March 10th and nobody knew shit like it right. was because i was sitting with doctors all the time right, right, in right. the green room no that's real yeah there's a couple yeah. of people that had you know anybody who knew an epidemiologist a biologist a doctor mm-hmm. um somebody who just had a clue <laughs> about what was about to happen anybody who had that person in their life Lockdown quick. It was like the day where I texted oh, yeah, right you. Know, I was like, "There is a black woman are sitting across from me in a mask. She knows something we do not yes. know. I bet you she worked <laughs> at like Mount other. Sinai. You know what I mean? Like I just, <laughs> I was like, 
this is about <laughs> i texted i can probably find that message i sent to you jess and we should oh yeah i found it, it the other day it. oh I, you did yeah <laughs> i did i found it i found it a few weeks ago it was like late february oh my god and i texted you black girl on the subway wearing a yes. subway, wearing a wearing a face mask and you were like it's happening <laughs> yeah i was like that's the sign and you see a black girl taking a step precaution <laughs> she knows okay it's happening <laughs> she knows she's thought thought ahead no it's just it's just been it's it's been this constant cycle of trying to figure out it, it, trying to figure out your own information and then trying to tell the people who matter the most to you oh whether God, that's that a, really whether that's a platform that you have on 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 the radio every morning or whether it's your friends and family like we're we have been we have been all doing those two things constantly for the last year and a half, trying to figure out the right information that we need to keep ourselves safe and then trying to tell everybody that we give a crap about what that is like. That is not a normal part of our brain um, that we that we use this way. We do not usually have to read between the lines about things that will keep us safe. And we spent an entire year having to do that. And then we got the Biden Harris administration and things were looking a lot better. And we no longer had to read between the lines because the vaccines were just there. And they were just telling us what was true. And now I get the sense that we have to read between the lines again, not because someone is actively lying to us, but because we simply do not understand the landscape of this virus and how it's going to change and what is going to happen. And it's very difficult to have a cohesive message when you have a state like Texas, where the Supreme Court is continuing to uphold these absolutely asinine uh, policies like forbidding schools to allow masks or um, in Austin bars, they're pulling liquor licenses from bars that try to mandate proof of vaccination to come inside like we're doing in New York. Lots of places in Austin are trying to do that on their own and, and they are losing their liquor licenses if they try to do it. So like trying to sift between like those who are actively attempting, us, uh, attempting to stop us from doing the things that we need to do to stay safe, plus the CDC, which seems a little behind on what needs to happen. Um, it's just, it's so intensely frustrating. It's such a frustrating time to live through. And then of course you have a, a, a weekend of news like we had this weekend. And you Yo, know, I was... Americans are spending more time looking at photos and, and pictures of Afghanistan than we have in the entire 20 years of this war. Um, it, it's, it's like, wait, we have to turn our attention. What, what, Kabul fell? Like we have we have a Saigon situation with people yeah. like trying to get their kids on 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 military jets as they leave. Wait, we're sending 6000 troops back in. I thought we just pulled out. Oh, they're just to secure the airport so that we can get as many Westerners and, and the Afghanis who helped us out. Like we're there. How the hell did that happen so quickly? Like I thought we had weeks, months. I mean, talk about like being wrong on your prognostications. Nobody said the Taliban would completely overtake the country in a matter of days. Nobody thought that. And 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 here we are. So it's we, we've got this this fight on the home front that is very personal and very intense and very much in the houses that we are currently occupying. And our attentions are in in Haiti. Um, where the death toll of that gigantic earthquake, which is the same fault line that hit Haiti years ago, I literally just a few had the years same ago. thought when I on that yeah when I woke up to that notification, I was like that. My first thought because I think everybody out there probably like in your brain cataloged is the number of the earthquake that happened before. 
right? So you know yeah. the number by heart, like 7.0. I know that. Mm-hmm. When I woke up and I, I looked at my phone and I was like, that's a 7.2. That's bigger. And at that, the first notification was, there was no reports on dead or anything. There was just, no. there's been an earthquake in Haiti. Massive. And that number said 7.2. And I was like, fuck. Like, literally, yep. I was like, that is terrible. That's bigger than the other one. Where was it? Then they were and like, well, maybe it wasn't so bad because it was, it was in the exact it, it same impacted point. more. Um, it, it impacted a lot of rural areas. Um, it was a little bit, a little bit different geographically, not in terms of where the fault itself was, but in right. terms of where the damage was. And that was like the early assessment. And then for the rest of the day, it was like just reporting oh. the dead, the the death toll and it kept increasing and it will keep increasing. And I just, are we going to do something about climate change? Or are we just going to continually watch complete and total disasters and destruction and death happen? I'm, I'm really, it makes me uncomfortable. Well, I can't wake up to like mass death every day. I'm sorry. I mean, we're no. doing it in the pandemic. Haven't we decided this sucks and we really would like it to not continue. And do you realize that climate change is just waking up to mass death for like the rest of our lives? You yeah. think the pandemic is bad? This is just one little baby, you know, climate related. The pandemic is just a symptom situation. of climate change. Right. Like, you this think is this one is it? No, no. Oh, no. No, no. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, in that vein, uh, this month, Pelosi's going to have the procedural vote that'll set up mm-hmm. the reconciliation bill, which will pass along with the infrastructure bill if everything goes correctly and contain the climate change measures that we need um, in order to start mitigating the effects of climate change that we are experiencing and will continue to experience and cannot stop and hopefully uh, stop it from raising any more. I mean, I, I like, are we, have we, have we done the basics on this show before? What, what the, what the international no. climate scientists say it's always is that it. if we get like, it is the possibility that we reach three degrees warming that's Celsius, not Fahrenheit. So those are bigger degrees than you're thinking. Um, three degrees warming is a possibility that is global catastrophe. The human race doesn't go extinct, but life as we know it is, is drastically changed. Like we live in, you know, we live in small sections of the land that currently exists. We have famine, we have war, we have, we have the rest of it. That's at three, at three degrees. We are currently at one. One degree is what has made New York and its surrounding areas into a subtropical climate. We are now listed as a subtropical climate. And as I sit in my house and I watch the monsoon-like rains pour in almost every afternoon and then leave in 20 minutes, I'm like, yep, this feels a lot like Costa Rica, to be perfectly honest. Um, We're at one now. We are at one degree raised from what we're used to. And this is what we're seeing. So we very much need to stop it from becoming two. It will be very, very hard to stop it from becoming two. Uh, But it's not impossible. uh, And it is possible to stop that third degree. Um, So that's kind of where we're at right now. Like that's that's why this is a that's why you're feeling urgency. Like we've been seeing the effects of climate change for years and years and years. But you're feeling the urgency around it right now um, because of those those level designations and what we need to do to stop ourselves from getting uh, to a place where it's just math, mass death because of climate related issues every day. So hopefully this bill goes well. Hopefully it's smooth. We can keep all the Democrats in order. I mean, you guys know. You know, my my metrics for the Biden administration, if we end this year having passed 
a budget reconciliation bill that deals with climate change in the care economy. And if we have fixed our, our voting regulations so that we have a federal regulation that restores the Voting Rights Act, I will be happy with this first year of the presidency. And I'm sorry that his bar has to be so high. I'm sorry that it has to be vaccinate everybody and do the largest social safety net increase since FDR and fix our infrastructure, which we understand to be significantly more than roads and bridges and stop the planet from burning and end the threat of authoritarianism here in the democratic United States of America. I'm sorry that that the all genuinely, I am sorry that all of that has to be the bar for Biden's first year well, in do you, office. Do you want um, me to, but it is, but I also, I just want to, cause I woke up this morning in a really good mood because I actually figured out sleep in the past three weeks Ooh, and please share. It's really exciting. I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a link. <laughs> It's really just a melatonin. Okay. It's a different melatonin than I was taking before, and it oh, works I love my so much better. I, and I, could I, I wake up now, and I'm not drowsy, and I'm not wow. Well, I'm a little mad still because it's so early, but I'm not as I'm in like physical agony, <laughs> which right. is a big thing. Waking um, up doesn't hurt outside. <laughs> um, I'm not a morning person, you guys. Morning show hosts, not morning people. I don't know what happened, but the point is. Is that I, I had a point before I started talking about a tangent. Oh, I woke up in a good mood. And yep. um, but then I was upset about something. And the, the something I was upset about is actually something that happened last week that mm-hmm. I people asked me if I was mad about it. And I was like, no, not really. It was it's annoying. But like moving on because there are dead children. Um, like a th- I read a story about a 13 year old black girl in Mississippi who died of covid um, af- mm-hmm. a week after diagnosis. So um, that's the news I was reading of the weekend. And then I, I, I saw that Mar- uh, Maureen Dowd called Barack Obama Marie Antoinette in the New York Times. Oh, Did you yes. see this? Um, yes. So what, number one, it's a week late. I understand that like the timing on op-eds is different. So it's like a week late. <laughs> so like no one's mad anymore. If, if right. they were even mad last week about Barack Obama's yes. birthday. Um, we literally had a whole segment about how we couldn't get mad about it. No, literally. The whole segment was, I'm not really that mad. Like, that was the segment we had that day. And now it's a week after that. And Maureen Dowd has written a column about a thing that I'm not mad about. And I wasn't mad about at the time. And I'm definitely not mad a week later. And then I saw a segment about it this morning. And I was like, no, I literally wasn't mad about that. I wasn't mad. Why are we pretending why we're mad about this? No, you actually do not have to form anger towards Barack Obama just to balance it out against Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and Tate Reeves who are killing children. You don't have to do that. It's not it's not necessary. You don't have to do that. It's there is no other side to the um, basically negligent homicide of these children. There's no other side to that. Is Barack Obama's birthday party a good idea to have right now? Absolutely not. Am I surprised that Erica Badu was vaccinated? Yes, I am. Is that probably a bigger message towards, you know, black vaccine hesitant people to get the vaccine? Yes. So maybe it was a good thing he had the birthday party because everybody saw um, Erica Badu was vaccinated and she was the one rapper I was like, or one uh, entertainment person I was like, she's not going to get that. She's probably not. But look, she is. She went to the party. She was at the party. 
So nobody. Look, has I an think excuse. if we're if we're talking about like we, we're we're assuming that the deplorables are lost, right? We're assuming that the absolute anti-vaxxer like holdouts, the anti-maskers, the Karens who are losing their shit in Target, those people. We're assuming that they are lost. There is still that pocket of vaccine hesitant people who have had transportation issues who are doing that thing where they've decided they're going to wait six months or they're going to wait a year and see what happens to everybody else. And then they're going to get the vaccine. Um, They have lots of reasons that are silly or not for not getting vaccinated, but we can get them. And you can tell that because as Delta is surging, vaccine uptick Mm -hmm. is significant. One of the best ways to do that is to incentivize people to get vaccines like New York City, Paris, London have all seen massive upticks in vaccination rates by requiring proof of vaccination to get into anything fun, right? So if there is this sense that people are living their lives normally, that they are having parties, that they are hugging friends for birthdays, that they are going dining, that they are going to bars, that they're that they're they are able to live their lives normally and safely because of the vaccine, that might help peel a couple of those people from that second bucket of vaccine hesitant mm-hmm. off. That is a good thing. And my second point on this is why does the New York Times have the same columnists that they did when I was in high school? Oh, my God. That is a really good Things question. Things have changed. That's a very like, good question. We have some That's new really voices now, maybe. Like, maybe the things Maureen no, Dow think, gets mad about isn't relevant to me. But isn't that the, per- isn't that the perfect example of, of you need new columnists? Because yeah. she's writing a column getting all mad about Barack Obama's birthday when last week when it actually happened, we weren't mad. We literally talked about right. how like it was people want us to get mad about this thing, and we, we're not mad about this thing. Like, all, we have the bandwidth. <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth to get mad about that because, rel- oh. you know, like, how, how, how does it sound for me to sit up on some, what, soapbox? And look down at Barack Obama. I mean, I think that's just the exercise. She yeah. wanted to provide that for cocktail drinking, white, upper west side, upper east side, rich people. She wanted to provide yeah. them the column that they could be like, oh, did you read the new column? I can't believe Barack Obama had a party. And I'm standing at a goddamn party. You don't think they're having right. parties in the Hamptons where they, they've been doing that since the beginning. The, the joke right. The joke is... Where has Maureen Dowd been this whole year? I'm sure she has been to a cocktail party she should not have been at. I'm not saying that maybe she hasn't. Maybe she's like the smartest, most like careful, you know, person in the pandemic. But I haven't heard good stories from the Hamptons where most of the people are that are like talking smack about Barack Obama live. Nope. Yep. Do do you do you guys want that piping hot tea or no? Because I (laughs) I just I. Sometimes I I feel like my job in this is to give you guys a little bit of insight so you don't get upset about certain things. Yeah, there is too much to be absolutely real upset about that we we don't need to be fake upset about anything. We we just don't. I don't I need do to be not fake have upset. The time. Nope. There's, well, there's just not enough energy either because there's no. enough to be really mad about that's specific, and it's not even at, at this point. I'm not even. You know, we, we're here on the Progress Channel, and we have a perspective, but honestly, most of the debates now are not partisan. This is literally just morality. Do you care yeah. about other people's lives or not? Act or accordingly. Not. Period. That's like all the only question you're being asked now. Yep. Yep. And Maureen Dowd has <laughs> decided she's mad at Barack Obama. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Maureen. Tells me a lot about you. In terms of your priorities. Yes. I see you. Well, she, I'm That's sure, fine. would desperately I love to go you. back to a point. 
where palace <laughs> intrigue matters or where, where we could pretend palace intrigue never mattered. But for a no. long time, especially in Washington, we pretended very much that it did. And it doesn't. The, the machinations of certain staffers, who was betraying who, who had whose ear, who was the president's last phone call. Like there was a whole ecosystem of, of quote unquote journalists it's where that political. was their beat. Sorry, no shade. Like, yeah, it, no, no, it, it started with it, it. It didn't start with Politico. I think it started with Mark Halperin's The Note, actually, yes, which I believe he wrote You're for right. ABC. You're right. And Mark Halperin, disgraced Mark Halperin, uh, wrote a still thing tweet, called The no. Note. He where... still tweets, you know. I see oh, yeah, tweets. no, I know. He's he's around. I'm just never saying his name without saying disgraced Mark Halperin. <laughs> and I will explain what he did to earn that moniker. I appreciate Every single time someone hands me a microphone, he walked up behind people and pushed his erect penis into their shoulders at work. That's what Mark Halperin did. Yes, he is still on Twitter. And you might even see him on TV every now and then. But I want you to think of that when you do. Um, he started this thing called the note where he would like blind item what staffers were doing and what rumors were going around. And I remember reading it religiously when I got to D.C. as like a 23 year old, because I'm like, this is how this town works. Like, I got to learn this stuff. And pretty soon that metastasized into Politico, which covers staffers as if they were newsmakers. Um, and instead of talking about what the product of the policy would be, they talked about the process by which the policy would be or even made the impact on the people. Good. What is this going to do for yeah. people? They never. I have never. I have to be honest. No. Have you they, ever read a story don't do in Politico? That. No. But have you ever read a story in Politico or a site like that where they're talking about the impact of like, I don't know, the Hyde Amendment on women of nope. color, for example? No. No, they're or talking like about whether or not that's a good fight for Nancy Pelosi. I've never like ever old, read an article. The only woman like, who gets mentioned. Do you think that's an intentional Hyde. thing? Do you think they're aware that that's the coverage they're doing, or do you think that that's I just think, a blind spot? Are, yeah. No, I they're, think they are aware. aware. I, I think okay. Yeah, it may, maybe in the beginning it was a blind spot. Maybe in the beginning they thought that they were filling a niche because no one was covering the process that well. Um, but after a few years and a lot of criticism, it's it's pretty impossible to see that like. If you're covering something as good news for Mitch McConnell that will kill people in red states like <laughs> Medicaid expansion and your your takeaway is that it's good and smart for Mitch McConnell and you do not give equal weight to the people who will be hurt because <laughs> of it, you're doing journalism wrong. And I think they, they yeah. know that. I, I think at this point they they probably have to uh, and they continue just to, to be do it anyway. Too, but it doesn't matter when now, I'm when I'm criticizing Right. What I'm I just want to be clear, though, because sometimes, you know, people can pull this stuff out of context and then be like, Zelina was mean. Oh, to, totally. You know, John. And I, didn't, no, I, mean, I don't even know who I'm t- we're talking about. I'm um, just there. throwing out a name, generic name. But I'm, what I'm saying is I, none of this is personal for me. I actually want people mm-hmm. to do better because the world needs to be better. So I actually want I want to hold you to a high standard and I want you to actually do a good job. And I'm going to complain yeah. about you doing a substandard job until you do a better job. That's how I see it. Yep. Like it's never personal. <laughs> when I when I'm no. calling out the media for blind spots or racial bias or gender bias, it's not because I don't like the boys. Like I just want them to actually have that lens. Maybe notice that they missed a spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like That's exactly I right. want you to notice. And the fact that you don't, the fact that you're defensive when it's pointed out is evidence of the fact that you had never had the thought before and you don't want to be called out on the fact that you might have missed something. And I miss stuff mm-hmm. all the time. Why is it so bad for you to miss something? If I can be honest oh, about we, the fact that, like, we miss stuff all the time. And I'm like, oh, didn't we know talk that. We talk about Messed that, that constantly. 
We just had a moment the other week where we were like, huh, remember Literally. when we were feeling bad about like Cynthia Nixon and like being interested in that fantasy? <laughs> remember when we were feeling bad about that in like yes. late March of 2020? Because we're like, oh, Don't thank God so we now. have competent Andrew Cuomo. Like, isn't that an interesting comment on insurgent races? And maybe we should be really thoughtful when we're getting. Nope, we were wrong. We were wrong to say that. And I am saying that now. <laughs> like, yep. We are OK saying, look, we had a blind spot there. We totally got snookered by the patriarchy there for a hot second. And if you were listening to that show in March of 2020, you could hear us getting snookered by the patriarchy. And mm-hmm. um, it doesn't last. And we notice, but we can say it and we can move on. And it doesn't. Um, it doesn't portend a character flaw to be able to say, look, I missed something. I had a blind spot. I believed something that turned out not to be true. Um, no, it's not a character flaw. Of, it's a good part thing. of what media should be. It's the opposite of a flaw. It's just a good thing. Yeah, it is a good. It, the, I think the problem I know we have to break, but the problem with the world is that fewer people, too few people um, have that ability to be like, look, yeah, I messed up. Sorry. It's such a I'm relief better. to say it, too. <laughs> Just, yeah, it, it's a lot harder <laughs> to keep up with your lying and pretending. It's a lot harder. Yes, yes. It takes a lot more energy. It really is. So <laughs> go forth and be All honest. Right. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>